Whether you're a polyamateur or polyambitious, polyambiguous or polyam, I really hold your head high. Let your freaky flag fly, cause your polyamory should be uncensored. Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. Hello, and welcome to episode 88, where we are talking with Rich about uh, anonymity and privacy on the internet. Stay tuned as we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right, Rich, who are you? Well, uh, I'm... I'm a technical geek. I've uh, studied uh, information security and privacy for years and years and uh, teach about it. I'm kind of keeping my identity a little loose. Um, I'm also I'm also poly and uh, I'm a cis bi big burly dude. So, Rich, what does polyamory mean to you? (laughs) You know, everybody says freedom and I got to wonder. I hear that a lot. And I agree with freedom. I think that I spent a lot of my life. I was married. I got married at about 20. And for the first time, we call it the starter marriage. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> realized that we were not compatible sexually in a lot of ways. And uh, my and sort of our opening up sort of brought me to that freedom. And I realized it was super important and much more important to me than it was to her. And, uh, so that that's, that's what I mean, I guess, by freedom, not just sex, of course, but it tur- Hey, it turns out awesome relationships come along too. So you were not open with your first marriage? Uh, we were, we opened up about, um, we opened up about five years um, before the divorce, six years. Um, we started out with uh, swinging and uh, fell in love with another couple. And uh, we were a quad um, for about three years, um, which was really fantastic until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we had a partner go through a double mastectomy, do a, do a breast cancer scare, things like that. They were, it was a big deal. Um, and it's hard, you know, that, that was a really hard uh, breakup when that all kind of blew up. Sure. Yeah. So what drew you to polyamory? Well, it had to be the sex and the sexual variety to begin with. I'm going to be totally honest there. Um, I was, like I said, my marriage started out pretty low sex and that there was a, some issues. We weren't good at handling it. Um, there was actually early on on the internet um, non-monogamy porn that was amateur. And uh, I kind of really liked it. And I thought, yeah, but this doesn't happen in real life. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and, I, I'm, and, I, and I watched that for a long time. And I thought, and it, it was just like, like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And then uh, we had some incidents in our marriage and that blew that wide open. 
<laughs> sort of blew us open to uh, considering uh, non-monogamy and and then we found, you know, oh, wow, okay, we can do better than that. You know, we can, we can do better. Ooh, that's tragic. Um, we can do, uh, <laughs> we can grow beyond that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was the one sort of in the group who was about reading books and listening to podcasts and studying. And then the more I read the sort of standard books we would all think of back then, um, like, oh, this is okay. As long as everybody's okay with it, this is okay. And uh, so um, I was really cautious, but um, once we fell in love with this other couple, that was, uh, we were there. (laughs) So what kind of things do you find difficult about polyamory? Um, Well, sometimes the lows are pretty low. Um, And I find this, I find sometimes my insecurities can really be pretty strong. Um, if, you know, if you've got, I've got sort of three, I've got a nesting partner and about three girlfriends right now at various levels of intimacy. Um, and if they're all, you know, if there's all something going on or it it feels like I'm not getting (laughs) attention and, or whatever, um, which has been happening a lot because there's been a lot of things going on in our lives with COVID and sickness and things like that. And that's, uh, well, I, it's, it's worse to feel like you're disconnected from three than just one. <laughs> right. It's interesting. Also, the, the dichotomy of like the really, really high highs make all of those lows, even if they would have been normal, norm, like in a different or a monogamous relationship or something, they feel so much lower because the highs are so high. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, the other thing I struggle with, I'm much better at now, is managing community, sort of managing time um, and managing needs across partners. Um, I had a lot of arguments about that in my past uh, with my ex-wife and, and in the squad I was in that made it, um, it didn't feel real safe sometimes to share that I, you know, I needed to go see somebody or, or whatever. And so I'm having to more un, sort of unlearn that and say, okay, no, I need to do this. How can we do it versus sort of bottling it up? Yeah. I feel like that's a huge issue. Like communicating your actual wants and desires and needs. I, I mean, it took me forever. Oh, forever. I still work on it. Still work on it all the time. Yeah. yeah it's definitely an extremely challenging thing, even to sometimes recognize mm-hmm. your needs. For sure. Right. And, uh, you know, I can share that my self-esteem, when my self-esteem gets low, it's very hard for me to articulate needs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw this like reductress post recently that was like, are you even good enough to have imposter syndrome? And I was like, oh, <laughs> <Alex>. <laughs> I loved it so much. And I keep thinking about it. It keeps coming up where I'm like, you know, where it's like that yeah, and, and relating to Polly, where it's like, you're not even good enough to think about the fact that, you know, you should feel insecure about this or something, you know, and of course it's just mind brain weasels being shitty to you, but I'm like, Oh, felt. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So when did you first know that you were Polly? Was it, uh, you've sort of talked about this. Yeah. I I think it was right. Because, you know, I, I started out, I read all the swingy, all the swinger, you know, very, sort of older stuff. I think I I didn't really accept the idea until 
there was sort of this thing going on with this other couple where feelings were coming in and I was doing, I was doing what I do, what I especially used to do, which was shove them down, shove them down. This isn't going to be okay with my marriage or this isn't going to be okay. Very scary. And I, you know, I had a good uh, mental, I had a good mental model for all this. I'd read all the books, you know, and all this stuff. And um, my wife said, so how do you feel about this person? And it just came out and I'm like, oh, <laughs> hmm, I love her. Hmm. And that was okay. And, and I mean, so, so it was sort of in that process. Um, and then of course the massive amount of fucking opportunities for growth. <laughs> I think you were saying fucking opportunities and I was like, sure. Oh, opportunities for growth. And also probably fucking opportunities for growth. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of fucking going on. Yes, for sure. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, I suspect that's a turn of phrase that you like quite a bit there because it does have all those layers of meaning. Yeah. Oh, oh the, fo- the, the fog. Yes. The, the, another fucking opportunity for growth um, <laughs> is a fog. Yes. I use that term regularly. Um, it was especially bad then. As, as far as the other definition that Lindsay was messing with. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's one thing to show up at a swinger friendly campground with a quad where everybody, like, where everybody's really slutty. A lot of stuff goes down, mm-hmm. <laughs> <I bet. laughs> you know? Yeah. So there was a lot of that too. <laughs> when, if ever, have you, did you start to feel different or have you like felt different from other folks? Oh, <sighs> this is hard because I felt like a black sheep my whole, I mean, I felt like a weird kind of black sheep my whole life. Are we talking about like if we're talking about sex and poly stuff? I mean, or anything <laughs> you can answer it in whatever context. I, I can't imagine that somebody who uh, turns out to teach computer security um, as a career was not kind of experiencing themselves as the weird kid. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, right? You know, um, yeah, I went through. You know, okay. So I'll give you a quick. I'll give a quick bio to just give you that idea. So I grew up. Um, I grew up out of town in the country, seven miles from my high school and the nearest town had 180 people in it. Small, small. very, yeah, very small school, very traditional, um, you know, jocks rule the school sort of thing. Um, geeks, definitely not overweight. You know, I, I would have put my friends until late in high school. I'd have put my number of friends at under one hand you know, under five. Right. So, um, yeah, I was, <clears throat> I was weird, you know, I, and that's a pretty common answer for us, honestly, like yeah, always absolutely. is the most, uh, the most answered question. When, when did you start to feel different? Always. <laughs> um, I, I will say this, my first, my first thoughts or my first inclinations about Polly and things like that came from Robert Heinlein science hmm. fiction novels, Sure, which, some are, I think they're quite entertaining. There's a lot of problematic stuff in them. Um, yeah, but, some of them have aged very poorly. Yeah, I tried but, to read Stranger in a Strange Land and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, reading it 25 or 30 years ago, 
it did not seem as deeply problematic as it seems now. Right, right. totally. And I could see that, but I also am like, but well, honestly, this isn't even then, anymore. I can't remember the name <laughs> of the book now, but I went on a like obsessive dive in the late 80s or early 90s with reading Robert Heinlein. And one of the books that I found that was fairly early in his career, which was not very, you know, not one of his more everybody should have group marriages of mostly women. Um, <laughs> the, uh, it was this incredibly racist war book where uh, the Chinese had developed a weapon that killed in a race based way. So it was like oh, leaving wow. all the property alive, like fine in North America, uh-huh. but killing all of the people. Only it was really clear that they meant all of the white people. And he just was like not even acknowledging the existence of African-Americans. Mm. Wow. And, and that was kind of my breakup moment with Robert Heinlein. <laughs> Oh, for sure. For sure. I read the, you know, I read all this stuff in school and, you know, you pick, you pick what you want, you throw it away. Um, And, but I get what you're saying. Like I remember reading Friday and her plural marriage. (laughs) (laughs) I wish listeners that you could see Rich's expression. He like lit up, thumbs went up. Like he got what I was saying. (laughs) And that made a big impression on me too. It didn't seem like anything that could possibly happen in my real life. But it's right. It's science fiction. So so many people read that and were like, oh, right. In a fantasy world. That's cool. That's neat. But that's not reality. But so many people did it. I think we're inspired by that. And we're like, but what if? It could be right. right. And, and it did in, in that, that book, man, I don't want to go down. I could go down this rabbit hole all day. Um, but that book, you know, um, not really a spoiler because it happens almost immediately. Her family divorces her mm. like immediately. She's kicked out of a plural marriage almost immediately. Yeah. Um, one that seemed really idyllic. Um, but it also deals with things like, well, she wanted casual sex too. Mm-hmm. And, and, hooks up with couples along the way and um, probably a lot of other stuff that I don't quite remember. Yeah. Um, but a very strong woman character. And my ex actually loved that book too. <laughs> Cause we read it in high school together. Oh my gosh. Wow. It was on my high school's shelves. Cause oh, I had a cool librarian. <laughs> it sounds like you had a cool librarian. That's awesome. I mean, librarians are amazing. Librarians want kids to read anything they want to. And for the most part, uh, for the most part, librarians want that, not librarians want kids to read what they want to, for the most part. Let me <laughs> be clear about that. Most librarians are down with kids reading whatever. And I love that in spite of the fact that you were in this really tiny community, you still had an amazing librarian who was like, let's get a wide range of things because we got to appeal to all of the readers. Yeah, since I'm since I'm uh, pseudonymous here, I can say that she actually let me. Uh, she actually told me where the box of stuff she'd taken off the shelves was. Oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Good. That just makes her. them so much more appealing too. Like all of those, um, you know, banned books. Those are the ones that I'm like, I have to read this. <laughs> I have to go and find all of these books. Right. Here's the list of books that I think I want to check out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so moving on sort of to our standard questions, though, this was a very fun um, digression. Where would you say that you are in your poly journey? 
Are you in your Friday like plural marriage? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want. I, I, I don't. I don't want that. Um, I was I mostly want, kidding. Yeah, I don't want it. I, you know, I have a an amazing nesting partner who helps me and makes me a better person all the time. Um, and she's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. She is sort of developing along the way with this. Um, you know, we're talking about the, the, the journey and am I where I am? Well, this relationship I'm proud of, I'm really proud of it because we met on a one night stand in a bar, right? And it's a hilarious story that I'm not going to tell right now, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, but we were, we were hooking up and about every other week or whatever and feelings started to develop. And of course, when I first met her, I told her about Polly and I told her about swinging and all this stuff and my partners that I had one other partner at the time and all these things. And she, I kept expecting her to like, you know, put her drink down and leave. And she didn't. And so over the course of month, you know, months, you know, we spent more time, actually went on a date, <laughs> um, went on some dates, felt, had feelings were developing. And I said, okay. And I was going through my divorce actually at this time. Um, I can't remember quite how it all laid out, but anyway, she, she drops the, I love you. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and we're going to be with this. And I said, here's what I want to do. I, I'm afraid she's never done anything like this. She'd been married. I said, let's do a book club. And so we took more than two at the time. Mm -hmm. And we read a chapter or two a week. And then we talked about it every week. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then we skipped on and we just, the next week, we'd take another chapter or two and we'd sit there and talk about it and go back and forth about how we felt about the various parts. That's and, a huge book too. That'll take you a good year, huh? <laughs> no, well, it, it, really, year. it really went pretty Months. fast because mm -hmm. you get towards the end, maybe it's not, you know, it wasn't as important, but it got us through a lot of the different coping things. It got us through, how do you feel about jealousy? And what, what do you, um, you know, what do you want? And, you know, I, I, I saw it as an intention, a way to intentionally sort of form that relationship. That's very cool. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm really, I'm, I'm kind of really proud of it doing it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think it, it headed off a lot of, a lot of the challenges early. Um, we certainly did have some challenges, but um, now it's, it's very, you know, if, if I, if I've got feelings for someone, you know, it's a congratulatory moment. Oh yeah. You know, um, and vice versa. Right. And she, so, she's starting to, and she's starting to actually sort of spread her wings a little bit. She's got a sexy trip planned in a few weeks. Ooh, good for her. Help me. Her first. Yeah. So hmm, we'll see. So where do you hope to go or do you have any poly goals? I have no idea. I don't, I, I can't say I have, I can't say I have any goals. Um, just, you know, keep meeting awesome people, making awesome contacts, having great, crazy kinky sex too. <laughs> yeah. That seems like a very good goal. Yeah. Um, so why would you say that you are poly? Well, I think I was very, you know, we, we talked about those Heinlein books. I was very like that, that was changing for me. Um, some of those books, including stranger in a strange land at the time. Mm -hmm. Right. 
really made me question all the sort of standard, the standard relationship models. And uh, so there, you know, so that's part of it. But I think, you know, I believed, well, nobody really does this. And then also <clears throat> the other part was, you know, so, so I had this, I think I had this wanting, I wanted to be there. I wanted that thing, but I had such poor self-esteem, you know, in my twenties and certainly before I, there's no way I could have. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, it, you know, just over time, it got to the point where, Oh, wow, I can kind of do some version of this that, that that's fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And why did you agree to be interviewed today? Um, well, I like attention. Um, <laughs> I, I do think some of the things I know are useful, are going to be useful for your listeners. Um, and, you know, I, I want to be, I want to be a help to the community. Awesome. Terrific. Well, thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey there. Interested in more polyamory uncensored content? You're in luck. We just started a blog, polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com. We're going to be showcasing stuff like episode breakdowns, polyamory and ethical non-monogamy related book reviews, and guest posts from authors like you. If you'd like to be a guest author, contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com, and you might be able to see your work up on our website. Again, that's polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com, and we're going to have some fun new poly-related content for you. Thanks. See you there. All right, welcome back. And we are talking to Rich today about being safe on the internet and, and how that can relate to like also being poly and your poly identity when it comes to safety. What are some struggles that are maybe unique to poly folks when it comes to internet privacy? Well, for me, um, I'm, I'm out to a lot of friends, but I'm not out at work and Same. I'm not out to my family <laughs> and uh, certainly not, you know, uh, so certainly not large numbers of folks. Um, I, I I wish I could just throw off the uh, cloak of anonymity and just go fully public, but I just can't for you know lots of lots of practical reasons. Um, and so I think for me, it's a lot about protecting your identity um, when you're doing that dating. Um, and, it, and identity can mean more than just who you are. It can mean where you live, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's a terrifying one. Um, and also, uh, and it can also mean, uh, there's one other aspect that I like to talk about is if you have kids mm-hmm. or if you have partners that use the same computer or kids that use the same computer, you may say, well, it's okay, you know, my partner, whatever. But I don't know about you, but if you're, you know, if if you got nude photos or sexies or whatever, you don't, you know, I don't want my kids running across that. And sometimes yeah. kids are much better than their parents at finding stuff. Right. So, you know, it's, it, for me, it kind of starts with protecting, protecting the home base mm-hmm. and, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and right. And being thoughtful about that and then sort of working outward. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like I definitely, um, I mean, my kids are older now, so they have their own phones and, um, you know, Chromebooks for school and things like that. So there's not shared devices, but definitely when they were younger and there were putting things like using Photo Vault and other similar kind of apps to make the 
not kid friendly pictures, not kid accessible, um, you know, using things like either passwords, passcodes, biometric identifiers, those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I guess, you know, what I would start out with. So, gosh, we starting at home. You know, if you if you have a home computer, you share. And even if you don't, if you have a computer that you might use for multiple purposes, right? So let's say you have a laptop you might um, use for working related things and you might use it for dating related things or personal related things. Now, uh, I'm going to be real careful here because if it's a lab, if it's computer provided by work, Mm -hmm. right, you're getting into sticky, you're, you're getting into a dangerous situation there. Right. Right. Because there are sort of spyware and control things that it's very easy for them to monitor what you're doing. And it depends upon how paranoid uh, or oh, security conscious <laughs> your, uh, <laughs> your uh, employer is. Right. Um, so it's, you know, it's a good idea to stay away from those work computers. Um, but that doesn't mean you don't, ha- you don't have your own business and you've got a laptop and you use it for this and that and everything else. And if your kids have access to this. So the first thing is, um, for your home computer, create multiple user accounts, mm, at least idea. two, mm-hmm. at least two, um, one that you just use for, uh, vanilla and work sort of stuff, stuff you don't worry about perhaps. Um, and another one, um, which I call test, I have an <laughs> idea. right. You want it to sound boring. Yeah. Not sexy yes. time. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to call it uh, my super slutty, um, <laughs> super secret uh, username. Account, no. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I call it test. Um, no one has ever been curious about it. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and use that account over there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so then if you're using, so, so what this does for you is really cool. Um, for one thing, you know, if you're doing something, if, oh, and this includes your porn watching, by the way. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. So if you're consuming porn on your computer, many of you are probably using incognito or private browsing mode, right? Mm-hmm. We do that so that we don't, why do you use that mode? Um, Lindsay, do you know what, why, why do you use that mode? I'm curious if you know. My assumption. I'm not saying you do. No, no, I do. <laughs> My assumption yeah. is that so that if I'm typing something, porn sites don't automatically autofill into the web browser and come up randomly. Um, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. What, what you're doing is so the thing you should know about your web browser. So when you're using Chrome or Edge or whatever, the way they speed things up is they do something called caching. And so when you visit a website, any images that you're downloading, anything that shows up on the page is getting stored, including the the, the things you type, the play, the, right. the site you go to, right? You know Searches. about the history, right? Mm-hmm. You know about the history. Yeah, those things are getting stored, and that's to speed things up in the future. Right. Right? So that's great. But when you don't want those things stored, you know, if you're using a computer, which you don't have any control of, sure, use incognito mode so that what you're doing will basically be thrown away the moment that you close that you close that window of the browser. That's the idea. Okay? And that's a useful thing. But when you're on dating sites or swinging sites. Um, Maybe you have a Reddit persona. Uh, Maybe you produce a a podcast and you've got all these different accounts 
on all these different uh, cloud services that you use, right? And they're all sort of tied into your, your lifestyle, perhaps. Mm-hmm. The nice part is when you go into that other user account, don't worry about incognito mode, just use it mm-hmm. and let it store that. Go ahead and let it store that stuff, right? Um, because if you're worried about your kids, that'll keep your kids out of it. Use a nice strong password on it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be crazy good. Um, and that'll keep, you know, the average to good kid out of, you know, out of those things. And you don't have to remember them, right? Because then you've got this problem. If you've got, you know, um, SLS, FetLife, uh, let's see, whatever the dating, you know, I don't know, are any webs or any of the regular dating sites have web? Maybe OkCupid is still OkCupid web. OkCupid is on web. Cassidy yeah. is on web. Yeah. Cassidy, right. Let the browser or use a password manager, whatever there, mm-hmm. let it remember that stuff. Let it help you. Right. Um, and it just serves as a nice home base. Um, you do want a few or a few things to do. Um, yes, definitely use a different password than you normally do. Um, don't go doing your regular vanilla things in that account. Like I don't like to use Facebook in that account. Mm-hmm. Right. Keep them separate. Yeah. Keep them separate. Although sometimes I do, I'll bring that up in an incognito mode in that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So um, let's see. Uh, I've got a whole list. Oh, auto lock the screen on it. Right. Set up auto lock for that account. So if you forget it, you know, um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it makes a nice home base for you. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's yeah. a really good idea. Um, and, and one of the cool things, if you're a Mac person, which I happen to be, you can register different fingerprints to the different accounts. And I can use a different finger to swap, to switch into that mode just by holding it on the little sensor. That's cool. That is really cool. And you know, I I have one of those sensors. I'm totally trying that. (laughs) I have one of those sensors and I've never used it. I've never set it up. That's so funny. I mean, my kid is four, so like, I don't really have to worry about it at the moment, but good to know in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's, it makes it super simple. Um, Now, as far as the phone, Right. So now we talked about computers. Right. And a lot of a lot of people went to sleep because (laughs) who uses a computer anymore? Right. Well, you know, it's hard to do good things on your phone. I find it difficult to be careful on the phone. It's hard. They don't really support multiple identities very well. Um, And so, okay, the obvious things I find my device on so I can go find it if it gets lost. You know, I have a I have a fairly long but easy password, and I do use the fingerprint mm-hmm. sensor. You certainly can do things like get photo vault apps where you can store your private photos in there. I find managing I find managing those photos really annoying, very error prone. Um, on on you know, I use I use a, I have an iPhone. Just the, the fact that it, you have to go through and hide each photo, and then. On iOS, you go through and hide each photo you want to hide, and then there's a hidden folder somewhere, and you have to go into settings and turn the darn thing on to see it and then turn it back off. Um, you know, uh, I would love to see an Apple say, well, if there's so much skin tone in this photo, just automatically put it into a... Uh, <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. Right? That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, on photos, so there are a variety of apps. Um what I do often is I will use private browsing mode in one of the browsers and maybe I use Chrome for every day. And then I'll just use like Safari for like my, if I want to get on FetLife on my phone or something mm-hmm. like that. One of the things that I 
did when the kids were younger and I never changed it. So I guess technically I'm still doing it is um, whenever I've been on dating apps or had the dating apps on my phone, um, they're in a folder marked finance. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. The kids minor, have minor its latest interest in exploring uh, that. That's so funny. I'm so like, I have folders like dating. <laughs> photos <laughs> you know yeah I, i'm looking at my phone now i'm like oh yeah no i don't i actually i don't do any of this yet but again it hasn't been an issue yeah, yet, no, so that's why. Yep, so yep. you're mm-hmm. her you're still in the lapware zone <laughs> mm-hmm. my, my uh i have a folder called chats and it's got kick snapchat but then you know all of the dating apps actually join them mm-hmm. and i don't i don't try to hide the apps because i don't I, I try not to let anyone have my phone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, remember, I, I think it's, it's almost impossible to hide our behavior and identity from people at, from Google, Apple, Facebook. That's not what we're talking about here. They don't care. In fact, they love to know that you're poly because, you know, then maybe they will try to sell you, um, I don't know, improved access to Google Calendar <laughs> or, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. sex toys or I don't know. Right. Yeah. So, sure. Uh, those things, those those are sort of the big things for me. On the phone, I kind of give up a little bit. I do try to keep an adult section that I sort of drag photos to, but I'm terrible at it. it, it it's just hard. Um, and, and just keep in mind when you're using apps, you know, everything you do with that app, you know, that, that remote company knows, right? Yeah. So, you know, and beyond, right? I mean, they Google, you know, if you're using Google apps, then goodness, they know where you've been, mm-hmm. right? And, and so I'm kind of throwing my arms up. But on the other hand, that's not what I'm worried about. What I'm worried about is getting outed. I'm worried about losing right. my job, you know. Yep. Yeah. You know. So what do you do to try to prevent that? <laughs> well, so when I started um, online dating, and we called it just swinging at the time, um, the very first thing I did was I came up with some online identities for which I could get Gmail accounts. And so I came up with an identity. It was some combination of letters and numbers that was really bad, <laughs> but it was also the same sort of name I could use as my profile name. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, um, you know, lusty bunny 12, you know, if that's what you want to call yourself, <laughs> mm-hmm. then go try to see if you can get lusty bunny 12 at gmail.com or some other email provider. If you prefer someone who doesn't mind your stuff like Google, that's fine. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can find them or, you know, if you want to pay for email, that's, yeah. that's cool. Um, and I tend to have separate ones. I have one that I use for, um, I have one that matches my uh, FetLife account. I have one that I basically use um, with my partner, my nesting partner for swinger sites. We both have ready access to that one. And, uh, you know, I have another one that I sort of use for personal and sort of work adjacent stuff. Right. And then, of course, I have my work. I have my work account that which I try never to. I never try never to use any. Never cross the streams. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> try not. And, and so that's the beginning. Yeah, and the work adjacent uh, email is not Lusty Bunny Twelve. Nope. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's some boring derivation of my actual name. <laughs> and I always think that's really interesting. The uh, the like 
not code names, that's not the right word, but you know, usernames and stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't <laughs> advice for folks out there, hot couple for you, whatever, you know, get, that's been taken. It's been taken. Get something creative. Like when I see a hot couple for you, I want to puke a little bit. So like get something creative. Think about it for more than a minute. See if it's available on Gmail because hot couple for you is not, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I'm a hot yes. couple for you, unicorns, 69, 69, 69. <laughs> right. No, thank you. And don't personalize it by putting your city name in. That Probably does not, not make it more creative. Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> no, in fact, that really does, you know, narrowing it down, narrows it down pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a, there is some hint in one of my, and actually one of my, my kinky mail, there is a little bit of a hint as to my, there's a hint to my initials. Okay. Mm -hmm. For better or worse. Right. And wasn't that smart to begin with. Um, And I had a partner, a prospective partner say, Hey, your online photos horrible. And I'm like, Oh, found me. Did (laughs) you? Oh no. Well, and it was, it was okay. I mean, this was someone I had established enough rapport that I was actually telling them where I worked. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, and I knew they had enough. If they just spent a little time, they could find it pretty quick. Right. Um, but, but that email, just that little bit of information, the email really narrowed it down and she was certain. Mm. Yeah. Some people are really good at internet stalking and you can like figure shit out so quickly. I know that I started this um, like photo website. I used a different name, different email fully. And um, it was just like an imager or something, you know, like, but I was putting spicy photos on it. Like this is a safe place. I can put it, I can share it, whatever. And uh, one of my friends who is a cam girl. So she knows a lot about internet security. She knows a lot about separating her identity from um, her like online persona. She was able to take one of my photos and Google search it. And it went right to my Pinterest, which is under Lindsay Miller. (laughs) And I was like, Holy shit. I didn't even know you could do that. I had no idea because why would I, why would I think about it? You know? Yes, absolutely. There are reverse image search. Reverse I image talk search, about yeah. this here. There's reverse image search technology that does try to match your face or your photos, especially if it's an exact copy of the photo. Yep. You know, you may have a perfectly vanilla photo maybe mixed in with your spicy stuff that you're, you know, you're afraid of getting shared. Mm-hmm. Somebody takes that reverse image searches it and it comes up with you well. And Pinterest is cre- is linked to Facebook, <laughs> is linked to Google, you know, all those things. And, you know, in I on the internet, uh, you know, starting usernames and stuff, because my name is spelt weird, I just use my name for everything, for yeah. everything. My Twitter is under Lindsay, my, you know, like Facebook, Pinterest, all of these little things that I have, extra apps. I just use my name because I was like, I don't need to, I don't, this is, you know, who cares? Yeah. Never and- knowing that, yeah, everything can be tracked back to that shit. Yeah, and because you of have that. a distinctive look as well. So, um, you know, there might be people for whom that reverse image search is maybe less precise, but sure. I mm-hmm. can see where for you it would not, you know, it'd, it'd be a pretty easily identifiable thing. I immediately deleted everything because I was like so freaked out, but I was just like, whoops, <laughs> I have to actually think about this. Like, if you are creating an online persona, don't use any images that you would also use on Facebook or anything connected to your real name because anyone can find it. Yeah. Or any long segments of text. Oh, sure. You can search by 
That's right. Anything that's right. Anything you can search. So like your personal bio. Yeah. Sure. As someone who um, catches uh, plagiarizers all the time. Yeah. You know, I can tell you, you can take a string of text of, you know, eight or nine words, put them in quotes, Google it, you know, and it's proud. It's going to find it. Right. So, yeah, yeah you, that makes a lot of sense. Right. So, so that what I'm and so what I'm telling you is you have to be pretty careful, you know, and, and you know, people people say, OK, if you're sending sending lewds or sending nudes, you don't want your face or maybe even identifying tattoos in those that, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely don't. Um, face recognition keeps getting better and better too. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are, there's actually a, a service that's provided to the, um, that, that's sold to law enforcement agencies as well as anybody else who can afford it. They have went through and basically scooped up all the face photos for everybody they could find on, everywhere on the net, assigned an identity to them. And so if they get a picture of you somewhere with a face, you can reverse search it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if someone, you know, this is not a cheap service. Sure. Right. <laughs> but, and I don't know how you even get to it, but, but that's going to become more of a thing. Yeah. yeah. Sure. It's just going to get easier and easier as time goes yeah. on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and Google um, Photos is constantly prompting me, like, is this you? Is this your kid? Is this? Totally. Yep. Even our phones are doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate um, if, if you're a, if you're a uh, sort of a cyber doomsday person, I'm going to give you a little, I'm going to give you a little uh, assigned reading here. It's a really short little short story called uh, The Right to Read. It was written by Richard Stallman. Um, the Right to Read, you can... Um, read it at some point. It's it's sort of all about sort of this uh, dystopian uh, future where we don't control our computers. Oh, wow. Well, guess what? We're there. You carry them around in your pocket all the time because um, you don't really control your that computer that you that that phone that you carry around. You, you have very little control of. Um, so it's an interesting it's an interesting geeky story. Um, as we're talking about sharing images, another important thing about images <clears throat> is they have something called EXIF, and that's E-X-I-F. Um, and it's it's basically metadata. It's information about the photo when it was taken. And some of it's, uh, you know, things like the F-stop of the camera hmm. and the exposure and all these things in it. It also includes GPS coordinates when yeah. you take it with your phone. Right. Wow. So, um, interestingly enough, you know, I recently finished the entire series of You, which on, on Netflix, Y-O-U is the name of the show. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It is about a stalker. I mean, the main character is the stalker and he's st- speaking in second person to the woman he is stalking. As a Netflix show, I highly recommend it. It's very good. And the third season is all about him opening up his relationship and being poly. And he's even reading more than two at one point, which is really interesting. They're horrible rep- representation of of poly they don't understand the difference between poly and swingers but that's totally you know that's beyond the point uh it is still a really fun show and for being a show about stalking and a murderous psychopath it is very interesting and fun and good and fun to watch but he's using all of this to stalk people he is using the location he's using the pictures that you know his victim is putting on instagram to to locate um, through image searching where her, you know, the stoop of her porch is, 
listed on Google Maps and then he finds exactly where she lives. And so he's able to find everything. And watching the show makes me so paranoid because I was like, anyone can do this. Everyone is this open on the Internet. Oh, my God. You know, like and then the the Twitter location of where, you know, where she's going to to read at a bookstore and he's able to find all of this shit. And I'm like, wow, I don't know if I'm being paranoid or if this is just common knowledge, but he was able to find her so easily. (laughs) Like he was able to stalk her so easily. And it actually makes a lot of sense. So, Lindsay, let's just so, you know, let's just go through a, a little scenario here just just to make this clear to folks. You know, let's say we let's say you and I are chatting and uh, on an online something online and you decide and we and, and we decide we're going to exchange face photos. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's for an innocuous reason. Maybe it's simply, um, you know, simply to, you know, prove that, you know, we're not dogs or whatever. You know, there's this whole thing, you know, how do or I that know I'm not catfishing. Like so yeah, often sure, we require that as internet yeah. dating people. Like I want to make sure I'm talking to the person I'm talking to. Yeah, for sure. So, so I grab my phone and and are you grab your phone and you and I have provided you an email address. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you take your so you take your selfie and you email it to me. You've now shown me within 30 feet where you where you are. Yikes. Really? Yes. That is so alarming. <laughs> yes. So <clears throat> or let's say that you take that photo and you say, oh, well, that's a great photo. I'm going to put it on my OnlyFans, right? And I, you don't really do any, and, and I don't know how, I don't I actually know nothing about OnlyFans, but let's say I'm going to put it on my website where I promote my OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. And I just simply copy that in and it is served out. There's a very good chance that that, yes, that that EXIF information, that EXIF information with that, those coordinates will be stored there in that image. Somebody can just simply download it. In fact, any a good a good image program will now just show you. Oh, here's where it was taken on the taken on the map. Wow. Um, so how do you deal with this? And it's this is something totally dealable. Okay, <laughs> so you you can deal with this. Um, one, um, you know, this is usually images we take with our phones, which means all of them these days, right? But go in and you can turn this off in both. Um, Mac or in both iOS and Android, you can turn off this auto location and you may have to do a little bit of quick Googling, but if you know the EXIF thing, you can quickly Google up and find out how to turn it off on your, on your phone. Um, that that's good prevention. Um, if you want to <clears throat> send an image, ironically, most of our chat platforms, um, things like Facebook uh, Messenger, uploading photos to Facebook. Uh, I think I looked, I tried to look into a bunch of these, but most of the tools like uh, Kick, mm-hmm. I believe in Snap, automatically pull this stuff out of your images, which is great. Oh, yeah, I, yeah I, I think a, a lot of them secure. do. Yeah, it's just about, just a, you know, it, it's something they do to protect your privacy. Now, on the other hand, <laughs> guarantee, they pl- guarantee they save that data. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. But it does, you know, for instance, I will frequently use kick as a sort of first chat platform and I'm pretty sure kick filters those out. Um, so just know, don't go texting images or emailing images to people you don't trust. Mm-hmm. And that goes for other kinds of documents too, by the way, PDFs, um, 
and and Word documents, things like that. Um, I happen to have a PDF for a Word document with like all my toys or something like that. I can't remember how I created it, right? And an image, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of a fun project. But you know, I, you I didn't think about that? it. I didn't think about it until we were. I was prepping for this talk, and yeah, it's possible that sometimes software sticks information in there. Now, PDF is probably better, and you can certainly go into uh, Acrobat or whatever and tell it to wipe out all that information. Um, you can also tell Word and Office to say, okay, strip out identifying information from those. These are all Googleable things, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's not as common as images, but still, if, if you're thinking about those things or posting things like that, maybe on your... Um, Maybe on, you know, some of these dating sites, you can do that. Um, certainly on FetLife, you could do something like that. And uh, yeah, you, you definitely want to be careful about those things. Um, you're better off probably sharing something like, you know, a screenshot of it or something like that, because it probably won't have any interesting metadata um, loaded in there, right? It's just yeah. an image, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also harder for somebody to go through and like snarf up, the, you know, all that information automatically too. Um, copying text files or just copy and pasting just text and emails. That's okay. Or in the message in other message platforms, that's, that should be quite safe. So one of my, my notes was just like things to look out for. And I guess what I mean by that is it, I would prefer not to consider online dating a dangerous activity. And I would prefer not to be incredibly paranoid about all of this, but just in a general sense, what are things that we should maybe be more aware of that people probably don't aren't? You know? Well, you know, my first thought is um, I try to get a good rapport on the site um, and using their chat app long before I go anywhere else. Um, I try not to share enough information for them to, especially on my profile for them to find me, <laughs> you know, job, Boy, if you, you know, if you put your job on there and where you work, which I see all the time on things like Bumble, um, I'm like, oh, well, you know, that it'd be easy to find you. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe that's not so much concern, you know, just for, um, say, monogamous online dating. Um, so I don't know. I think it probably is. I, oh, I think it is, too. You know, especially. Yeah, I, I think it is. But I think people don't think about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they don't think they're going to get fired, you know, like, like someone who's poly might or, you know. Right. Or have your kids. Yeah. Possibly taken away or something. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I think that's something to think about. Um, You certainly, so here's, here's a one more general, I got two more general internet things for you. (laughs) One, and and I'm going to, I'm going to ask the question of you both. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So when you're using your web browser on your computer, um, one, do you notice the little lock that comes on? I do. You do. Mm. Lindsay is scrunching her nose. The lock that comes on for like um, when you're, I guess I don't know what you mean. No. Okay. It's okay. So in Chrome, it's up on the upper left-hand corner, right next to the URL. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that means? No. That's the next question. No. Okay. Um, HT. HTTPS versus standard HTTP. Which is actually, it's not standard HTTP. It is. Really? Okay. It is. 
Well, I, I don't want to get into jargon because I know people go to sleep, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so what this means is when the lock, when that lock is up there and it's lit or it's complete, you know, different browsers have different yeah. ways of showing it's good. So that's supposed to make you feel secure. And so you can be reasonably sure that no one is um, listening in to what you're communicating out there on the network, right? Like, but there's, there's you something definitely that's much- see it when you're using your banking software. For sure. Example. Well, every time you go to Google, it's there. Too. Also I mean, that. But- almost, almost all the time now. In fact, browsers actually now, it's like the normal. Like almost everybody's went there. The most important thing it is intended and supposed to do is to show you that you're talking to the right website. Mm. <laughs> okay. So if you have your, we're all setting at computers. If you, and probably some people here are too, if you click on that little lock, it'll come up and say connection is secure. And on that little window, at least in my Chrome, the one I'm looking at is docs.google.com because I'm looking at my Google notes for this meeting. Mm-hmm. And it will say docs.google.com right there. What that's saying is, yeah, you're actually talking to the com- a computer that is docs.google.com. And that's a good thing. If that said something like docs.go0gle.com or... Right. Right. If it did, or if it didn't match, right. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad. Mm -hmm. And, and, and this is just important. This is important from the sense that, you know, you're actually talking to the intended recipient, you know, the intended computer. I mean, it would be super easy probably in an afternoon. Yeah. In an afternoon, I could set up a fetlife.com that was like, um, let's see, F3T, L1FE.com, right? The three for the E and the one for the I. And then, you know, you might accidentally go there or I could trick you to go there, right? Mm-hmm. You might not notice because it's going to look just like FetLife. And uh, then, you know, you enter your username and password. Then I just pass you on to FetLife. Mm, sure. You so even, you're you stealing info. Right, right. Right, yeah. And of course, at that point, everything's over. They know, you know. Um, so so that, the, the, the most important thing about that lock is that you can go up there and verify you're talking to the right service. It's the one that's showing up in that URL bar right above it. Mm-hmm. Um, it also should it indi- should indicate, it says secure. What does that mean? It means it's encrypted and nobody can tamper with the data as it's being sent. But that's, that's, that's actually probably not even the most important part, right? Um, so that's one general thing. And since we're talking about anonymity, and privacy. Actually, we, we, we don't, I mean, anonymity means, you know, you, nobody knows who you are. Pseudonymity, pseudonymity, it means, uh, you, you know, you have a pseudonym like Rich, right? And, or whatever your profile name is. Right. Right. There are, there are anonymity services out there on the internet. There's a free open one. Um, I'm curious if you've ever heard of Tor. I have heard of Tor. I have never personally used Tor. Okay. Uh, back in the day, I used to use some Finnish um, anonymizer on Usenet because I'm old and <laughs> anon dot funet dot fi funet dot fi. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Way um, back e- yes, for email and not anonymity. So you could send. Yep. Yeah, you could you could have uh, anonymous emails. Yes, sure. Um, the Tor project, T-O-R project, um, is sort of a collaborative open source 
anonymity thing uh, network. So basically what happens is you can download a browser to use this thing. And its goal is basically so you can pass your traffic around all over the place. And it's all sort of encrypted differently. And it makes it very hard for someone to tell where you're actually coming from. So it doesn't record your IP address. And so if you, for example, if let's, let's say nefarious purposes were happening. Uh, you were engaged in some kind of illegal activity, uh, a warrant sent to your ISP would not actually identify you. Right. It would identify some random IP number. It would, yeah, it would identify sort of the last link in this uh, Tor network that finally spat you out. Yeah. Right. So you get kind of bounced around. Um, it actually does look a little like those movie things you see when they're tracing and they're bopping things back around. You know, it's sort of like that. Now, here's while we're the thing having those moments of old internet people, um, my first email address, I would log in on a server, not a server, on a old amber um, mm -hmm. single color node connected to the mainframe on my campus. And when you sent an email, it would actually show you the whole path as it went like, oh, it's going to California. And now it's going to Illinois and now it's going to Massachusetts. And yep. <laughs> and those headers so are still there. That. Those headers are still there. You just don't see them. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. But, but, but this, so, so, so this, this tour thing, people see it because it's for anonymity and it's good. Like for instance, if I wanted to do whistleblowing, I would use it. You know, if I was trying to protect against someone, I mean, that would be a very legitimate thing. Well, let's say I knew something bad was going into the department of defense uh, and I wanted to blow the whistle, I might use it. Um, it is used by criminals a lot for things like ransomware payments and things like that. Um, the dark web, if you've heard of that, mm -hmm. Silk Road is based upon some of this technology. Okay. So the problem is there's not a lot of reason for us to use it. <laughs> and uh, here would be the one situation where I would say maybe you'd want to use it. Um, so let's say you were, uh, let's say you just absolutely had to go, had to use like a uh, I don't know, one of your dating apps or something like FetLife, right? Because people are always squicked out about fetish. I like to use FetLife as an example. And you had your personal computer on a work Wi-Fi. So let's say you were at work, you had a personal, you had your own personal computer and you said, I've just got to get on there and read that message. Yeah, that'd be okay because basically the job, your job, Wi-Fi, couldn't tell you were connecting to FetLife, right? Better idea, use your phone and turn off Wi-Fi. Right. So this is yeah. another one of those tips from Uncle Rich at work. Turn off your Wi-Fi on your phone, because otherwise, you know, if you're those apps, you know, OkCupid, whatever, they're grabbing data. Your work can tell that you I mean, if they really wanted to, they can see that you're you, that those apps are active mm -hmm. and potentially even if you're not using them. I mean, you may leave them closed all day. Wow. Um, because it's going through their network, they can see the server, the services you're visiting. And so if you're at work, I would turn off the Wi-Fi. I don't do a good job of it myself. Um, but, uh, yeah. Want to be erring on the side of caution. 
yeah. this would be a thing you could do that would be a more cautious way of existing. Right. Because, you know, then Verizon, you know, Verizon doesn't care that you're, you know, the, the fact that you go to FetLife, Verizon doesn't necessarily care. Right. Right. Because if you're using your cellular data, they, you know, they're yeah. sort of the first hop. Right. You know. And Verizon doesn't know you're at work. Yeah. Unless you work for Verizon. But <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of this information is kind of scary and intimidating. I imagine, especially to people like me who aren't super technologically literate. Do you have anything that's kind of a positive outlook for us when we hear all of this stuff and just feel like, well, why bother? It's just mm. um, it doesn't fucking matter because it's too much. I don't know. <laughs> I'm getting a little overwhelmed. I'm like, oh my God, everyone uh, knows everything about me. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah. So, you know, if, if I'll just back up to sort of the things I do every day, mm-hmm. right? If you sort of protect your, you know, if, if you have a, you set up those emails, like we talked about, you know, you keep your identities separate, right? Um, your phone, it's really hard to protect keep things separate in your phone, just keep your phone well locked and, and secured. And like I said, maybe turn off that Wi-Fi at work, but I've never seen a case where anybody like uh, somebody says, Oh, well, you, you know, you're on a, you know, your okay. Cupid traffic is up. Um, I have noticed though public Wi-Fi is where things like, okay, Cupid didn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. They blocked it. Or websites like FetLife. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. Definitely. yeah sure. And, and that's reasonable. Right. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think that's, you know, I think that's a minor thing. I think your phone, you've just got to kind of do that. And if you're going to do that very, you know, there are lots of picture vault apps for your phone, sort of do your research for your platform, you know, get some, don't just download the first one you find on that app store because, Hey, they may be sharing all those with, yeah. you know, they, um, I, I would, I would be real careful about that. Um, as far as the image thing, and I think the image thing, this, this whole location and images, if you're not emailing it or texting it or texting them around for the most part, I think you're good because the services don't want you, the services are sort of taking that information out because they realize it's pretty scary. I I gave a talk to a bunch of students about this and I was talking about online dating and I said, yeah, you know, anybody of you ever... Have you ever emailed an image to somebody that you were just talking to? <laughs> and I saw several people kind of, you know, recoil in horror, you know, like, yeah, you know, um, so that does happen, but I don't think it's common, right? Because we use, we use chat apps. We use secure, like secure ways to talk. Yeah. I think that's we, we definitely use, becoming right, I mean, more we common. Use, we, we use things, you know, um, yeah, Snapchat or whatever mm-hmm. you know whatsapp some of those things. whatsapp yeah Signal. I, I think whatsapp yeah. does it as well i think whatsapp scrambles takes that information out as well mm-hmm. um but like i said you can certainly turn that off in your phone um and and like i said you know the online services just don't give any more information than you need to right um try to you know you, you got to give some location right it doesn't work but you don't have to be specific about it Right. Um, I know that I, I have in the past used sort of adjacent locations sometimes like this isn't my zip code, but it's a zip code near mine. Yeah, I use the wrong zip code for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, you know, limit or give, you know, slightly wrong answers. Um, I, I use a pseudonym on dating sites and I occasionally get called awful things by women who think I'm being, you know, when I say, Oh, my name is actually this. And they say, Oh, you're obviously a horrible person. And I sometimes don't even remember. I use a pseudonym on OkCupid and I'll be like, you know, talking to someone for weeks and be like, Oh, by the way, you don't know my real name yet. Oops. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's just like a, a, especially again, because my name is spelt weird. It's I'm yeah, it's easy to, it's easy to find me. And it, some of that is on purpose. I like when people find me for these kind of purposes, promotional purposes. Uh, but when it comes to, yeah, finding my online dating persona and then, you know, finding where I work, that's not great. Don't love that. <laughs> yeah. That's a little creepy. Yeah. John Smith is a great, or Jane <laughs> Smith or, you know, yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. um, are, are pretty good names mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for sure. But I, but I think, I think you've got to make, if you want to try to do a good job of this, make it easy, you know, try to, especially on your computer, make it easy. Use that. You may think making that extra account makes it harder. No, it makes it much easier. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, go ahead and set a different background on it. Right. So, so you, you don't know. forget. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was at a conference once and uh, opened up my laptop and uh, breakfast mm-hmm. table and, um, Oops. Yeah, there was some really, really crazy stuff on that screen. I just about <laughs> threw the laptop across the room and I had left it in the wrong account. <laughs> Oops. <sighs> yeah, different background, but not necessarily a um, dramatic racy background. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, it's just a different color for yeah, me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. Well, I think we've got a lot of information, a lot of things to think about. Hopefully, uh Folks will be a little bit more careful if you're worried, you know, some people don't worry. About By the way, things. while we were on this, like recording this podcast, I went and Googled, how do I t- turn off the um, geographic identifying information in my phone and opened up the privacy settings? I'm an <laughs> iOS user and I had actually already turned them off in that. So that was reassuring to me as a person who is concerned about privacy. Um, but it was super easy to check. Yeah. And, you know, it. I was still totally engaged in this conversation. The whole thing took <laughs> five minutes. Right. And that includes me going down and saying, why do I let Coles have my uh, information about where I am? That's stupid. So <laughs> you know, it, it's pretty easy to do a privacy sort of check on your phone when you open up those settings. And um, I think that I must have assumed at some point in the past, why does my camera need to know where I am? Fuck that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> turned it off. Well, and you know, it, it, I guess, uh, I guess another thing to, to keep in mind. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. But if you go to events, um, uh, you know, if you go to events that are, you know, like this fantastic trip to desire that uh, went to this fall and, or whatever, and people take, you know, people other than you take photos of you and somehow, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe they send them to you. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to out you, but I'm saying if they send them to you, you might very well still want to go check, be sure that. Hey, look at this great photo I had on vacation, you know, and my, and, and right. dad, who's an IT guy, loads it up and says, that's not the resort you were at. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. Maybe not a major concern, but it, but it, right. but it could happen. Right, right, right. Good point. Yeah. But yeah, this has been a really useful, um, thought provoking 
conversation. And I really appreciate you joining us, Rich, and sharing your expertise and, you know, trying to help folks in the community think about their safety and privacy and security, you know, maybe in some ways that hadn't occurred to them. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Uh, I, I would love to be able to just have my own uh, uh, venue just to throw out this stuff all the time, but I don't want to deal with all the uh, anonymity issues with having to keep up something like that myself. So I'm happy to come do it with you guys. <laughs> That's terrific. totally fair. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, yeah, this was great. It really was. Thanks so much for reaching out and, and for being part of the podcast. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller. And Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye.